0: Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest on the program is Elon Kazi, Chief Data Officer at Blue Cross North Dakota. Elon returns to the program to discuss how AI is changing the intimacy and accuracy of diagnostics in ways that revolutionize how healthcare leaders look at the patient experience. In comparing relevant use cases from large language models and the potentials of new platforms like ChatGPT, Elon focuses on where emerging healthcare AI capabilities are finding serious ROI. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Thank you so much for being back on the show, Elon. Thank you. Great to be here again. So the last time we had you on, we ended right at where you saw emerging AI use cases in, in drug development. I wanna really want to dive into this because cause we've seen this too here at emerge in spaces across, you know, healthcare and otherwise life sciences. Where are we seeing a- AI's impact in drug development most significantly?
1: Yeah, I, I would say at a at a high level, it's helping us rethink the entire drug development process. And so in in speaking, you know, with people that I know in the industry and, and some of my peers in the industry, the drug development process can take anywhere from seven to 10 years and even longer in some cases. So it's a very resource intensive process that many times just doesn't turn out very well. So it's not like you'll have 10 different types of drugs you're discovering and one will work out. It tends to be closer to like one out of 100. And so that investing that amount of capital upwards of a billion dollars you want to try and minimize the risk as much as possible to discovering a drug that has the right market and that that can really kind of deliver safe and effective therapy and one of the things that i've been following has been around alphafold which was created by deepmind and google and you know alphafold can actually predict how many of these interactions occur, which is it's pretty fascinating. But by being able to do that and kind of plug in these solutions as part of that drug discovery, I think it really has the potential to not only shorten the time to drug discovery, but also to weed out much earlier some of those potential drugs that may not have the right market or may not actually deliver on the research. And so to me, that's that's really exciting. And then I think the other piece of it is just overall personalized medicine in general. You know, one of the things that still does not make sense to me to this day is if I need an antibiotic, why am I given the same dose as maybe somebody twice my size? Like that doesn't make just intuitive sense to me. And so I think there's opportunity to personalize medicine in terms of just dosaging early on. And then I think as it gets more complex, you know, there could be things that are within our, our genes or our, our genome that would make certain therapeutics more effective or less effective, depending on just those individual characteristics. And I think to me that that's very exciting. That's what I'm kind of seeing more from the outside in, but something to, to look forward to
0: yeah i I wanted to bring this up even though it's a slightly out of your wheelhouse in in life sciences although of course you know obvious crossover between the healthcare space, but I also think that you know the way that AI is impacting drug development is indicative of kind of the developments that we see in in automation in the healthcare space. Well, we were talking about in the last episode about white collar automation, this kind of notion of, you know, especially people on the patient care side of HIPAA that they, you know, see new technology. You were talking about how the computers came out in the late 20th century and everybody said, oh, this is going to take my job. And here we are all these years later and that really did not happen. But I think what's indicative of those kinds of changes where there isn't this kind of HIPAA line is where we see in drug diagnostics in the life science space. But you mentioned right there, you know, personalized medicine. And I think kind of a crossover from there it, directly in healthcare is, you know, where we're seeing impacts of mobile technology on improving diagnostics and looking at, you know, places where basically where technology is making things faster, making things more efficient and giving more work to doctors rather than taking away their tasks.
1: Yeah, that that's a great that's a great point and I think with mobile technology in particular is that it creates all of these potential avenues that we didn't have, you know, even 15, 20 years ago. And so when you think about just the overall healthcare ecosystem and 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 being a patient, for the most part, we still associate being a patient with going to a clinic visit or going to a hospital. And that's kind of where, where any of the healthcare services are, are delivered, right? With the introduction of mobile technology and with the rate that it's been accelerating in terms of capabilities, we now each carry you know some type of smartphone, an iPhone or something else that becomes kind of like a, a healthcare multi-tool, for lack of a better term. You know, it has, a, it has a sensor in it. It can hear your voice. It can help you navigate. So you can basically turn a phone into a, a potential diagnostic tool in many different ways. And I think from a physician side or a nurse side, wouldn't it be great to have more of that information so that when the patient comes in, you have a more full profile of that individual and you can actually make a better informed clinical decision from the information that you have.
0: yeah, it is really something, and something that relies on what we were talking about before about that you know how much AI is, seems to get streamlined on imagery data and mobile technology being you know so so facile at being able to produce an image, you know very quickly. We see this across media, across everything else. but I, I think even you know outside of of diagnostics to even even kind of leave direct patient care for a minute. But maybe even another place that we're seeing AI have have an impact that I'm that I'm hoping you can speak to is the other side of the HIPAA line in terms of automation, in terms of looking at how hospitals operate, their budgets, and streamlining the services, say like, you know, restocking supplies in the cafeteria. And looking at that from a data perspective to make savings. And obviously that's, that's way, <laughs> that doesn't have, you know, privacy issues or concerns to a, to a point, or at least far less than direct patient care. But this is a, a place where we're seeing AI having an impact. Are you seeing this from your vantage point?
1: You know, I, I've seen some impact around supply chain, more, more on the, the provider side, the delivery side of healthcare. I think from a, from a payer side, a lot of it focuses around basically healthcare claims, so how a service is is paid. And I think the entire claims process is, it's a pretty complex process overall, but as a part of it, it, it's really AI is helping to just better identify, you know, where are their areas of of improvement? How can you have the right level of of payment integrity? And how can you make sure that the right services are getting paid at the right time? In many organizations, you know, there, there still are areas where, they're doing manual review and, and having experts look through it because it's very complex. And I think with some of these new AI solutions, they're helping to just automate much of those processes, which just it makes it much easier. And I think overall leads to a better healthcare experience for, for the patients and, and for the members.
0: Mm. Budgets, especially in the healthcare space are, are strange, especially when talking about drivers of AI, because, you know, in the larger sense, when you're comparing healthcare to banking or another sector, obviously, you know, banking or or even even manufacturing is like, you know, takes to AI in, in some ways much more quickly than the healthcare space. But in, even in that example, we were just highlighting of, you know, the more the blue collar automation, the, you know, streamlining of supply chains, etc., you know the things outside of direct care that's where the budgets are driving that adoption in the in the healthcare space is there any other you know just considering that budgets make for interesting market dynamics what are you seeing as the primary drivers of of ai in the healthcare space
1: one of the biggest ones is around healthcare spend in general and I think, you know, year over year, we, we see healthcare costs go up. And so I think anybody who works in healthcare, whether you're on the payer side, provider side, wherever, there's always that focus on how do you stop the costs from increasing so quickly? How do you provide more value? And so I think from a, you know, from a payer standpoint, it's keeping a um, membership costs down, right? So being able to deliver more services, but kind of control those costs overall. On a provider side, you know, in some ways, it, it it's similar, but it's more about how do you improve overall healthcare outcomes, while not having to to spend a, a ton more money, right? Because healthcare, as we know, it just it gets more and more expensive each year, but there isn't always necessarily that that value tied to it. And I I think as we look at these these AI solutions, in the past, it was kind of like AI is going to solve all of your problems and. We all know that's not true and it, it doesn't work. And I think because there have been so many AI implementation failures and they just haven't panned out, now many of the partners and, and vendors that work with AI are becoming a lot more focused on either a specific topic in healthcare or even specific use cases where they know that the solution is going to deliver you know, millions of dollars in value for maybe a fraction of, of the investment.
0: Right. That emphasis on ROI, even outside of healthcare for for AI, is is just about everything, as as many of listeners to the show know. But even just to touch on a a use case we brought up, I I jumped the gun a little bit in the last episode and we talked about chat GPT, which we really wanted to dive into this round. But even what you were saying in the last episode about personalized care, I think this is an interesting dynamic, too, as, as a use case. Because as you were saying, it still kind of has the WebMD problem. It's not totally accurate, but it puts at least, you know, if a patient wants to get answers that, you know, are transparent in how accurate they are, you know, instantly that is available to them. In terms of personalized medicine, or at least, you know, having a more direct relationship with patients... Do you see Chat GPT as improving outcomes or just reassuring patients? Especially just with with what you were mentioning in your last episode about the accuracy of of you know the information being given back on Chat GPT when it comes to healthcare.
1: With Chat GPT as it continues to evolve and, and just become better and better, I think that there's an opportunity to utilize it and how how patients are engaged. So when you when you go and you see your doctor, it's paid at some time after that, usually through your insurance. And even when you're getting some of like your lab tests or medical test results, it can feel very disjointed. I think that would be an opportunity to kind of streamline the communication towards using something like a chat GPT or something similar, where it's helping to coordinate that entire journey through the healthcare system. I think that's something that you know, many many different areas in the healthcare struggle with you know really having that that coordinated care, and I think that's where you know we do have to be careful. And how do we go about doing that? How do we ensure that it's being tested? What are its limitations? But I think just thinking outside the box and thinking about the the challenges that patients face on on a daily basis. You know, I'll give kind of a personal example where. A few weeks ago, I got my annual lab tests. And what was interesting is that I went to my primary care physician, you know, got the lab tests, and then the results themselves, I got them through, you know, just LabCorp, right, a a vendor. I was able to sign in online. I got everything right there. I didn't actually get a call back from the physician office until about a week later. And they couldn't send me an electronic copy of it because their system was down. So I ended up getting a mail copy about two weeks later, when I had already had the results for almost two weeks from the the lab vendor. So I think there, when we're looking at just that overall process, there, there's a segment of the population that really wants to manage their health more at an individual level, and they're limited because I think many of these organizations feel like they're gatekeepers to their own data. But it it could provide just a, a wealth of knowledge and help individuals better manage their own health. So I think it's a, it's a huge opportunity with something like ChatGPT where it's understanding, you know, what's possible, what's not but using it to help automate some of these touch points overall.
0: 100% and you know we're using the term chat GPT, but let me ask you a more pointed question. I mean you know chat GPT it's made this huge splash it's kind of like you know watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan you know two two months later this is all everybody's talking about but to put a finer point on it, have we not seen you know in the healthcare space generative AI and large language models up until specifically this this product came out, or does this have a longer history than this one program that made a splash a couple of months ago, I know you've been talking in your answers as though you know a, a wait and see aspect. You know, it's too soon to tell how this technology is going to make a broader impact, but we're seeing the tea leaves of of this now. Is there a larger history there, or is this you know just the healthcare space reacting to this very very recent technology within the last few months?
1: I, I think with the history, I, I'm sure there have been experiments with with large language models in healthcare that I'm I'm probably unaware of. I think what makes this one different is the amount of information that was used to train ChatGPT, as well as how quickly it took off in terms of the amount of users. You know, I was reading an article the other day that said it's the fastest technology to have 100 million users ever. And I think it took maybe a month or two tops. So there's the element of the technology itself but I, I think the the bigger implication is that it now has a much greater mind share, you know, with people in the U.S. and around the world. It's kind of the next phase in in AI, and I think it's bringing it more to that common understanding. You know, very similarly to how the internet, you know, in the '90s, it was kind of this thing that you know nerds used and it was made fun of, and now all of a sudden right. you have billions of people using it. I think this is that that internet moment for for AI and and chat gpt is a big a big part of that so i think it's i think even for healthcare too i think there are going to be a lot of just a lot of innovation and and changes around it and you know even if if chat gpt it might be the opening salvo in this even if it eventually goes away there's going to be something else that is is inspired by it and i think it's going to increase the level of competition and and really help out the consumer at the end of the day
0: I can't help, especially in, in observing multiple sectors as part of my job here at Emerge. And I know, I know you're not a banker, so I'll, I'll just give you this to you from the from the banking side of the equation. Banks have had amazing trouble in conversational AI. You know, usually putting up a chat bot that can't really speak to the user experience and. In seeing banks struggle with this, I've always thought, well, yeah, hospitals will never be able to do that because, you know, people people care about their money, but their health is just a completely different level of sensitivity. They'll never put up with, you know, this sort of way of obtaining answers. It it, it might feel too impersonal. But what you've been describing with chat GPT and the possibilities is that there doesn't seem to be. Or at least in terms of how it would end up being used by patients, hospitals don't, or at least the the sensitivities around around those privacies, you know, interfacing with with patients are so much more nuanced than than when you're getting into the, the customer experience side in other sectors where you, where you see it in banking and elsewhere. But I, I even want to point to something you said in your last answer. It's actually two things. You were saying how. With the internet in the 90s, and it was a bunch of nerds, and no one could imagine, you know, a larger group of people using it, and here we are today. And you also, you made that comparison with AI technology, and before then, you also mentioned how currently hospitals are kind of gatekeeping their data. And the other kind of comparison I kind of want to make to banking here is that in the advent of AI, we've seen this thing called open banking, which is all about making sure, you know, on whatever app you have, you know, your Facebook app, you can you can access your money and make and make financial decisions, you know, no matter what platform you you are. And that seems like kind of a bank letting go of the gatekeeping they used to have. Over every, you know, financial decision making process on behalf of their clients. So my question here is, do you foresee maybe down the line that that maybe the relationship could change between hospitals and data, that this could be the hearkening of a scale down in, in terms of that gatekeeper mentality? Do you do you see that maybe being a possibility?
1: I do. I really do. And I think that it's going to come from the outside. I don't think it's going to come from the inside. And the reason I say that is because, you know, working with, with very sensitive data, especially at a, at a hospital level, there's a ton of rules and regulations that are in place to ensure that data is protected, that it's private, that it's secure. And I think that's always going to be a challenge, right? When you want to innovate around data, especially in a hospital setting. But when I look at the overall direction that the world is going, and I think about just a general consumer experience, when you purchase something through Amazon, you know exactly when your package is going to get to you, you know what you've ordered, you can look back in your past history, it's pretty seamless. I think more and more people are starting to want that with their own healthcare data. And so I think we'll get to a point where there are enough people demanding it that it's going to create more of that pressure for hospitals to change how they think about securing and protecting data with also balancing the fact that this is individual patient data and it just seems strange that you can't get full access to your own data. That has never made sense for me, even being in the healthcare field. So I, I think we are going to hit you know, that peak of having enough people demanding it and hospitals and the healthcare industry having to think differently about data.
0: Yes. And, and much like the challenges facing banks, it, it almost seems to be that the the pace here is going to be determined by how these legacy institutions can transition unstructured data to a more robust digital format. And I, and I think we're, we're just about out of time and I really appreciate all of your, your insights for especially for the for the last two episodes but we may have to save that for next time and have you on possibly with a banking guest to really make these these comparisons work but i'm just seeing so many parallels and it's and it's so very interesting elon thank you so much for being on the program these last two episodes we really really appreciate it
1: yeah great to be here and and thanks for the conversation
0: You know, just wrapping up today's episode, I think when we're looking at the future of data and how Elon, I just I loved how he phrased this, is going to come from the outside rather than the inside. He went on to mention some retail brand names like Amazon, and I think that really underscores what we're beginning to see in healthcare in terms of patient experiences, not unlike customer experiences and requisite pipelines that we're seeing in retail and FinSurf. Yes, this goes all the way to customer journeys. I really think so. And I think all of these spaces are going to have to take a very good look at each other and see how they operate to meet different kinds of demand. Because from a data perspective, that's all that is. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business podcast.